coming up on Garden Talk. Before, when I first got into autoflowers, I was all about HPS lights. I absolutely love them. I did try some LEDs back in the day, and I really didn't really like the quality of buds that I was getting. Nowadays, I've switched completely over 100% to LEDs, and I'm probably never looking back to HPS. It's a completely different ball game when you do it outside. Times to finish are definitely not the same. Once you start going over 86 or up to 90s, autoflowers definitely take a little bit of a hit and uh, they will not grow as fast. Autoflowers are very sensitive to nutrients. They can get overfed very easily. Well, actually it depends on the genetics too. That is one of the best ways to get like nice, solid, hard, dense, rock hard buds. What's up, everybody? If you that don't know me, my name is Chris, aka Mr. Groat, and you're tuned into the Garden Talk podcast. This is episode number 20. In this episode, I talk with Dr. Autoflower. He is a fellow YouTuber with over 53,000 subscribers, and his videos have over 4.3 million views combined. He has been gardening for 13 years, and he grows a variety of plants tomatoes, herbs, peas, carrots, lettuce, and medicinal plants. He is most known for growing autoflower plants. Hence his name. So in this episode, I pick his brain to find out how he grows autoflowers and also how he maximizes yield when growing autoflowers. I release these podcast episodes on a weekly basis, so be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and review. I do have a Patreon page for those of you who would like to support in that way. The link is patreon.com slash mrgrowit, and there are various tiers on there with different offerings. Before we get into the episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Dutch Pro Nutrients. Dutch Pro is a plant fertilizer company that has been around for 30 years now. They originated in Amsterdam and their nutrients are available in several countries across the world. I'll be using their base nutrients, which are formulated specifically by water type. For example, their two-part soil RO-SO bottles are specifically designed for when using reverse osmosis or soft water. They also have base feeds for if you're in hydro as well. I'll leave a link to their Amazon store down in the description section below. And you can use coupon code MrGrowIt10DP for a discount on their products. Alright, now let's get into the episode. Okay, we are here with Dr. Autoflower. Welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing? Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Uh, yeah, it's uh, good to be here. I've been watching you guys for a while, and uh, it's good to be on the show. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I think we first found out about each other back in like 2015-ish or 2016-ish. I you know, think so, We both so, had yeah. channels, and uh, man, this YouTube journey has been crazy, huh? <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Um, yeah, turned into an actual full-time career, and it looks like it has for you. So it's it's crazy how far we came to uh, – <laughs> I was going to tell you about like back in the day because I, I, you told me like you started 2015 – Back in the day, in like 2010, 2011, that was back in like poop in the bucket days where people tell each other, oh yeah, you can poop in a bucket or pee on your plants. Like there was some crazy information out there, but yeah, we definitely come a long way. (laughs) (laughs) So for those that don't know who you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into gardening? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. my channel, actually I had a channel before and I just deleted it and started a new one. That was Dr. Autoflower. I started that back in 2011. Uh, some would say I'm one of the originals, but uh, I think the more the, the real original started like 
as soon as YouTube started back in like 2005, 2006. And uh, yeah, like I first started pretty much back in the day. My ex-girlfriend, her dad had a really nice setup. And he said, yeah, you can just grow some plants and uh, see how it works for you. And gave me some seeds. I had no idea what those seeds were. And it actually was a type of autoflower. They, I had no idea what I was growing back then. And they just started flowering out of nowhere. And I was like, what's going on? It doesn't make sense. And I, I thought they were just, just regular plants, just doing the thing. But I noticed like, hey, these are actually forming some decent buds. What's going on here? I have it on 20 hours of light. So I did some research and turns out they were autoflower. I don't, I don't think they're actually full autoflower, but they were autoflower for sure. And that's what kind of led me on the journey of autoflowers. And I started doing tons of research back then, probably the best source of information was on forums. And I was just like a complete sponge of knowledge. And I was just super addicted to like, just wanting to learn and research as much as possible. So I was learning from everyone else who's been growing them for the past. Back then it was only like a few years when they were actually good quality. Uh, but yeah, learned a lot from the forums. And then I thought, wouldn't that be a good idea to kind of give back to the universe or whatever, and just like put all that information I learned, but online on YouTube in an easier form of, you know, information and, uh, and a different, I guess, medium or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I had, I had no idea this could lead to a career, uh, back then. And yeah, it's pretty crazy how far we come. So yeah, that's how I kind of got started with autoflowers and from there, I just wanted to learn more and uh, produce more content. So yeah, here we are today. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, before we started recording, uh, he had mentioned that he's been gardening for 13 years. And you know, you grow a variety of different plants, right? So yeah. tomatoes, herbs, you mentioned peas, carrots, yeah. lettuce uh, on top of the medicinal. So um, lots exactly. of experience across multiple types of plants, which is pretty cool. So Yeah, yeah. Like I was telling uh, Mr. Grow it here, uh, the soil I use now, if I, instead of just throwing it out after my use uh, indoors, I'll just move it to my outdoors because that's where I use all my uh, regular plastic pots. I, I've moved over to like air pots and smart pots. So all my old, my old uh, plastic pots, that'll, that's what I grow my uh, outdoor vegetables and that kind of stuff with. So yeah, keeps me, keeps me busy and a uh, little fun thing to do because I, I do live in an apartment. So growing here is a little bit different. I can't just go, you know, grow in the soil here. Don't have that many options. So yeah that is what I like to do. Nice, nice. So in this episode in particular, uh, I'd like to talk all about maximizing yield on autoflowers, right? So how do you grow huge autoflower plants? And you have a track record of growing big autoflower plants. I mean, I've seen your videos, so you've been doing it for years and years <laughs> and years. So I figured you'd be a great person to come on to the podcast today and, and talk about your style of doing it. So um, we've got a list of questions here. Uh, I've given those to you ahead of time for those viewers that don't know. Uh, the guests are given a list of questions in advance so they can kind of get an idea for what's going to be asked. And uh, so we'll go through each thing. We'll go through nutrition. We'll go through lighting. We'll go through environment. All these different factors that impact yield. Let's start with medium. 
So what medium do you usually grow in? Are you in soil, cocoa? Are you doing hydro? Uh, what do you do for that? I've pretty much done everything other than hydro. Um, so I've used like kind of, you know, not the best, just regular bag soil and stuff. I've used soil from our, uh, over at my farm, my family farms. It's like compost pretty much. Uh, so I've, I've used that. Um, but I've, I've pretty much gone and like stayed with, um, Promix HP. That's the most, you know, abundant good soil I have around. Everything else is, you know, kind of mediocre compared. Um, I have gone high or, uh, cocoa and, uh, I've used low quality cocoa. Really didn't like that. Had bad results, really got kind of turned off from it. Uh, but I had also awesome results by mixing two parts ProMix and one part cocoa, like good quality, high quality cocoa. Uh, really, really enjoyed growing with that. But uh, because hydro stores aren't really, you know, close to me, uh, it's just much easier to stick with ProMix. I have awesome results with it. Why fix what's not broken? So I just kind of stay with them and uh, have awesome results or, you know, Gotcha. And so that ProMix yeah. HP, uh, that's the one that comes with mycorrhiza, right? Are you adding anything yeah. else in? Are you amending, sort of amending anything else in to begin with? No. Like, well, when I was doing organic, um, I've grown, grown with uh, Guy Green and I forget the other one, but uh, that's the only time I've ever added stuff into the soil. Um, pretty much now I use all advanced nutrients for my nutrients. So I don't really need to, to have additives I find. So I, I, I pretty much keep it like before I was, I don't know, I'd get really technical with all my growing. I, uh, like I would add some stuff at the beginning. I forget what it did. I, I can't, it's been so long since I don't even remember what I was adding back then, but I kind of keep it with a kiss method keep it simple, stupid, just the easier, the better. And if it works, don't fix it kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, you can still maximize yield with simple techniques, right? A lot, a lot of people yeah, do try exactly. to, yeah, a lot of people do try to, um, do more than they need to do, uh, yeah. you know, micromanaging in a sense. So, um, okay, cool. Uh, and yeah. then what grow pot size do you usually start in and what type of pot do you use plastic fabric air uh for a while there i was using three gallon but uh, i have now switched over to five gallon i really like it um that's probably the max i like to go i've gone bigger like 10 gallon pots and it just seems like you're doing too much work for not that much big of a difference with all the flowers so yeah i i always recommend five gallon three ga three gallons good too if you don't have all that room or you don't want to use so much soil. Uh, but for me, I like to stick with five gallon. Okay. And are those yeah. the air pots or the plastic pots? I'm sorry. I don't know. If those are, I kind of do a mix. Uh, sometimes I do air pots. Sometimes I do smart pots. Air pots are a little annoying to work with because water can just like run out the side super easy and stuff. And then you got to suck up all the water that runs off into your catcher. But I would say, yeah, I really enjoy going with smart pots now. 
Uh, it just seems like you get better growth all around, especially compared to my, my old plastic pots. So yeah, definitely recommend those. Yeah. I, I mean, it helps, you, you know, you do need oxygen down in that root zone and that does help yeah. with growth. You know, that's one of the reasons why a lot of people go with cocoa is because it yeah. adds a, adds that air into the, the root zone. So uh, yeah. pro mix is a light, um, lighter medium when you compare to soil too. Yes. So you're going to get yes. that air in there and that along with the, uh, either air pots or the fabric pots, that's going to help with the aeration. That's going to help with, with overall growth. So yeah, if I did sense. have access to some good high quality cocoa, if I didn't have to order online, pay for shipping, all that, I, I definitely would use it because you do get more air. You do have to water a little bit sooner, but you get a bit better results than just using uh pro mix HP. So yeah, I would definitely recommend uh, a mix if if someone else was interested in getting into like my kind of uh, style medium and stuff, definitely a mix is good. Gotcha. And then one of the most debated pieces of this is starting in the final container. There's people out yeah. there who um, argue that you need to you should start in the final container, right? So you had mentioned three gallon yeah. grow pots, five gallon grow pots. A lot of people say plant that seed directly into that medium. Avoid the transplanting process is what they're trying to do because if you're starting in this small solo cup, for example, and transplanting up, there is that risk of transplant shock happening, mm -hmm. slowed growth happening with autoflowers. They're on a limited life, right? So if you have any um, stunning growth the first 30 days or so or any any point of the grow, actually, it could negatively impact yield. Most likely it's going to negatively impact yield. Um, now, do you start in the final container or are you transplanting yeah. up person? Yeah. Like you said, nothing's like written in stone, right? Like I have seen some decent grows, very good grows that have been transplanted. It can be done. It's just like you said, like there is that chance and it, the chance is pretty high that you're going to stunt the growth. So I personally started directly in the pot. Don't mess with it. Start in five gallon. If you're going to do three gallons, start in three gallon, but just keep it as that. And uh, yeah, you're way less likely to get risk of uh, shock or anything. But one caveat is um, I've seen that um, growing outdoors, it's, it, I, I think it's fine. You, you can actually can have better results, I found. Like I've tried both. I've tried planting directly in the ground and just uh, Dixie cups, one week old, and then transplant them. But I definitely noticed that the ones planted directly outside didn't fare as well for like up here in Canada, I get some cold nights, so it kind of hurt them, I, I would suspect. Um, but once they had some, you know, they were taken off a bit, they could actually handle it. So I actually had pretty decent results when transplanting outside because it seems like it's a completely different ball game when you do it outside. Times to finish are definitely not the same. A 60-day strain will not, especially where I am, it will not finish in 60 days. Um, but they can get way bigger than normal. They they have a huge root mass area. If you just plant them directly in the ground, some good soil, their roots get gig gigantic. And I've I've grown like probably the biggest autoflowers I've ever grown, and I transplanted them. But they didn't finish, so I didn't really, you know get the uh you know cream of the crop or whatever or a good harvest but uh definitely grew some massive massive plants so did it stunt it mm, i don't think so i think it was more 
environmental issues that I had to deal with, but it just seems like outdoor, they can handle transplant more because planted directly, they don't have the best start, I would say. Gotcha. Gotcha. And there's going to be people that comment on this video and they're going to say, I transplant autos every time and I don't have any stunting growth. That's a myth. The whole transplanting slows yeah. down growth and stuff. So uh, either way, uh, if you're new to autoflowers, maybe try both and see which one you like. That's what I say. Uh, it is definitely an experiment. Like everything you should see as an experiment. If you want, try one uh, plant directly, the other one transplant. If it's the same genetics, if you get awesome results still, then do what's easy for you. That's what I say. And if you are going to go the transplant route, maybe, you know, when you do that transplant a common technique is to sprinkle mycorrhizal fungi on the roots mm -hmm. as they're doing the transplant. So that way, um, it's basically like an extension of the roots. So the fungi extends the roots, helps with nutrient uptake. Yeah. Um, and some people swear by that. That people are like, oh, I start in the small cup, so I can do that sprinkler of the mycorrhiza. And then they go into their final pot, yeah. and then it just blows up from there. So um, there are so many different ways to kind of go about that for sure. Yeah, so. yeah. Find what works best for you and stick with it. Yep. Now, how about water? What type of water are you typically using when you grow autoflowers? Tap, rain, distilled? Uh, yeah, like I have used, uh, when doing it outdoors, I have used rain and seemed to work really good. Uh, but here in my apartment building, I do just just water. I don't, uh, I don't purify it or whatever. I don't really have the setup for that. I would, I would love to if I had my own house get something set up like that but uh yeah just straight tap water let it sit out for a day decor decolonize and uh yeah pretty much uh i don't really ph it or anything oh uh, well actually i do ph it just a little bit just so it gets close to like the 7.0 ph mark and then i use ph perfect so i don't really worry about ph but yeah just straight old tap water set out for a day Okay, cool. And then kind of getting into the nutrition side of things, you mentioned uh, for nutrients using advanced nutrients. Is that typically what you use when you're trying to maximize yield with autoflowers is the advanced nutrient lineup? Uh, yeah, like I, I've used a lot of nutrients before. I've had also awesome results with Remo's nutrients. Uh, shout out to Remo. Um, but yeah, I've kind of just switched to, because I noticed before a lot of my issues if I did have issues, was normally from pH issues, just imbalances. And it just got annoying chasing the pH because my pH here can get pretty high and it's just annoying to deal with. So once switching to pH perfect, I kind of stopped having pH problems and yeah, getting awesome results still and good quality bud. So I'm happy with it and uh, keeping it simple and yeah still getting awesome results so i'm pretty 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 happy with it and you mentioned you're just using the base nutrients for advanced nutrients i think they have a couple different bases right they have like a grow yeah. and uh which ones are you using i actually don't use the base nutrients i found a pretty decent uh kind of what, what you would call it a grow schedule feeding schedule or whatever online and it uses the uh what's it the sensi bloom because the Sensi Bloom is really, it's got like enough uh, nitrogen that it can last the whole grow. So a lot of people have shown like you can just get awesome results just using that the whole way through. Uh, and yeah, plants seem to love it. 
they don't get super they don't like run out of nitrogen halfway through the the flower cycle so it's definitely a good all-around nutrient to use i'd say and i'm looking at it right now so there's sensi grow looks like there's two bottles for sensi grow and then there's sensi bloom sensi bloom is the only one i use yeah those a and b wow okay and are you following a feeding chart off of their website off of the no the one i follow i forget what it's called um but if you search sensi bloom uh schedule autoflower it should pop up it's on a forum there but it's pretty much um it's i think it's more less than half of what they recommend or maybe even one third of that but yeah it's definitely much less than they recommend for their regular plants and it seems to do you know it's it's on the level of like almost being too much sometimes so i even go like a little bit less so like let's say the the beginning uh feeding during veg my very first feeding i'd probably give um like 1.5 milliliters of each a and b or two milliliters depending on how the plants are looking but yeah it's pretty small because they i think they recommend five milliliters when you first start something like that so yeah it is a bit bit less Okay. And then you're not using any additives on top of that at all? Any, are you using any sugars like, um, or any microbial inoculants or anything? Uh, I'm using Voodoo Juice, B52, uh, what is it? Rhino Skin. Uh, that kind of helps with the strengthening of the stalks and stuff. I go intermittently with the CalMeg, Big Buds, and the, the sugar stuff. I, I forget Bud what candy. it's called, but it, it has the sugars bud candy or something like that yeah but yeah that's pretty much what i use and then during flower i switch over to the uh their flowering additives and then i kind of take out the the veg additives and switch it up a little bit but yeah i think i might have to do a a video on that on my channel kind of explain exactly what i use for the entire growth for autoflowers so yeah, I might have to come up with that. Yeah, I think that would be very helpful for sure. Um, yeah, so yeah. you use some additives. There's definitely some sugar in there and mic- microbes yes, in there, yes. beneficial bacteria and stuff like that in those bottles that you mentioned. So awesome. You're getting yeah. uh, the full nutrition there from uh, Advanced Nutrients. For sure. Nice. And then you said you don't, with the pH, Advanced Nutrients has pH perfect. They're, I think it's patented technology or something that really when you mix I don't up- know how it works <laughs> I, I asked them how because my my water can get up to like 9.1 pH wow. so pretty high yeah like it's kind of annoying to deal with so I asked them like hey my pH is really high does this work for mine and they said uh the best thing I could do is get it down to 7.0 around that and just you know just do that the regular uh, nutrients and uh, pretty much the way it goes is you add the the main like if you're using Sensi Bloom you'd use, use uh, put Sensi Bloom in first and then all the additives. Um, but what I do now is I found out uh, I I use the T and B up and down the the crystals. Uh, so I just found out how much I need for 7.0. I can pretty much eyeball it now, just take a little scoop, put it in there, bum, boom, done. And uh, very simple. I don't even use a pH pen anymore. There's no point. Uh, just do that. Mix up the nutrients. Never had a problem yet, pretty much. 
Okay. So you are monitoring the pH going in. Uh, some people, what they'll do is they'll monitor the pH of the medium as well, whether that be a runoff test or a slurry test. Do you do anything like that at all or just? I used to, but now I keep things so simple now. Like it works. I'm not having issues. Uh, I don't see any pH is issues pretty much anymore. So I kind of pretty much just stopped doing that. It's just, it takes more time up and I'd rather keep it as simple as possible in the garden now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Makes yeah. sense. Now, how about some people will monitor the PPM or the EC of it to know, get an idea of how much nutrients are going into their medium. Um, do you monitor the EC or PPM kind of going in after you create that mix or coming uh, out at all or no? I used to, but like I said, keeping KISS method, super simple. Um, I just don't anymore. I feed the whole way through. Um, that's why I keep it a little bit less than what they recommend on the advanced nutrients like calculator. You can put in how much water you're using and like what uh, growth cycle you're in. They'll tell you how much to use. I usually use like two thirds of that and I use it throughout the whole grow. And when I get to about week six or seven, start with the flush, flush everything out, make sure it's all nice and clear and bud's awesome, tastes good, smokes awesome, don't have any black ash, so. Okay, so there's nutrition, kind of just went over what you do for that. Let's switch it up and talk about lighting. So uh, arguably one of the most, if not the most important thing when you're talking about yield is, is lighting and getting that energy down onto the plant. If you don't have the yeah. optimal amount of energy, um, it could yield could definitely be sacrificed, right? If you're not giving enough par, um, yeah. enough of that radiation uh, down onto the plant or too much could harm the plant. You know, you get light burn, Indeed. it could slow down growth as well. So what are you typically using? What are you using for lighting in order to maximize yield? Good point on uh, talking about the like burning, like too much light. Some people just think, oh, more light, more lights in there, the better. No, uh, that's why I always recommend people get a par meter or a lux meter and learn how to convert it from lux to par. Uh, it is definitely needed. Uh, before, when I first got into autoflowers, I was all about HPS lights. I absolutely love them. Uh, I did try some LEDs back in the day and I really didn't really like the quality of buds that I was getting. Uh, nowadays I've switched completely over 100% to LEDs and I probably never looking back to HPS. Um, yeah, I use optic LEDs. I use the bar lighting. Bar lighting seems to become super popular lately, the last two years or so. Um, many companies are switching over that and the results I'm getting are better than what I was getting on HPS, I would say. Buds are super dense and thick, uh, not getting any weird stretching and stuff back like you'd get back in the day. Um, the terpenes are even better than HPS, I would say. Uh, but yeah, I'm super happy since switching all the way over to LEDs and uh, yeah, pretty happy with the results I get all the time. LEDs have come so far over the years. I mean, if we oh, had yeah. this conversation back in 2014, 2015-ish, uh, there would be, a, be debatable. A, <laughs> right. There's a huge debate. Uh, you'd have LED grow lights coming out that are less efficient than HPS. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, you have these these people advertising their lights, saying that it's more energy efficient when it's actually less energy efficient. Yes. <laughs> it was really bad back in the day when when LEDs first kind of came on the market. So the days um, of the blurple. <laughs> yep, days of the the targeted light spectrum with the the blues and the reds only, and eliminating those yep. greens, and you just see purple. And oh man, what an eye strain! <laughs> yes, exactly, but, exactly. Like uh, I remember back in the day when. HPS was the main thing. There would people, they would come on and they would want to like uh, do like grow battles and stuff. And hey, let's do a competition. I'll, I think I can beat you with LEDs and you use HPS. And there was no competition really. Like it was, it was not a competition back in 2012. Now, 10 years later, or nine years later, it's, there's no competition comparing HPS to LEDs now. Like the energy you save, the heat you like, uh, you don't have to deal with all the heat and stuff and the light spread is just has gotten so damn good that it just doesn't make sense to go with HPS anymore. Yep. I agree. You still get good results off of it, but, um, oh, of course. definitely more efficient, better light spread with the LEDs and so on and so forth. Yeah. Now, is there a specific amount of par that you aim for during this different stages of growth when you're looking to maximize yield. Like I know you said you have a par meter. There are some general ranges out there, which I've mentioned on my channel many, many times of general ranges that people can aim for during the different stages of growth. Do you look at that and aim for a certain amount? Oh yeah, of course. Definitely. I, if anyone asks, I always recommend them. Uh, pretty simple. Like I said before, if you don't have a par meter, they're expensive. They're like 500, $800, I think here in Canada, I think 500 or 600 in America or something like that. So they're pricey. Uh, but a Lux meter you can get for like $40 or something like that. And there's a simple conversion you can do to get par pretty much. Uh, but yeah, I recommend um, for autoflowers, it's pretty similar to for veg plants. I would see the first uh, first three weeks would be what you would give for veg. So I would start it. 200 par and slowly ramp up to about uh, 550, 600 par at the end of uh, veg there once it starts flowering. And during the first week of flower, I'll probably slowly go from uh, 550, 600, slowly go up until about, I would say week 5.5 or 6 like slowly ramp up to about 900, 850, something like that. Uh, that's where I usually see the best results. Uh, but it's, it is a slow ramp up and, uh, that, that is the nice thing about having a par meter. You can actually check every day, say, okay, it's cause your plants are growing too. So you don't always have to just lower the lights. So as long as you're, you're keeping your par and it's slowly going up, I think you're doing awesome. And, uh, that is one of the best ways to get like nice, solid, hard, dense, rock hard buds. And knowing your par is very important. I say, uh, it's super important, especially if you're giving you a lot of people don't realize that they're giving the light or their plants too much. I've had that issue before when I wasn't using my par meter, I was just cranking up the light and then, Oh, I go check and my par is at like 600, 700 during veg. And I'm just like, Oh yeah, I'm frying my plants. This isn't good. So yeah, definitely something I recommend people look into. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and then the higher light levels is pretty much the same in line to what I aim for, right? I'm going, 
you know, 900 max really for mm-hmm. flowering is typically what I go for. Now, if you're supplementing CO2, you can go higher than that uh, in most yeah. cases. Are you supplementing CO2 at all right now or no? Uh, I was using uh, the kind of like the mushroom bags. I forget what CO2 bags or whatever. Uh, yeah. I was cranking up the LEDs a little bit more. I was going up to like 950, 1000. I didn't notice light burn really. Uh, they were, I, I think if someone asked me like how much does it actually help, I would say maybe 5% better growth. I, I don't, I don't see it as like a huge amount, but if I actually had a real CO2 setup, yeah, I would definitely be going higher. Um, I've heard of people going up to like uh, 1200 uh, par or sometimes even higher than that. Um, but I don't have a, uh, CO2 setup like that. So I haven't really got into it. Um, I do grow pretty much right next to our bedroom pretty much. So I don't really want CO2 all throughout the house and stuff. So yeah, maybe one day when we have something separate, um, I would like to get into CO2 a bit more. Gotcha. So are are you still using mushroom bags or not anymore? Uh, no, I, I kind of stopped. Um, made me think like, is, is this releasing spores throughout the house or something like that? Or I don't know. I didn't really see a huge, huge difference to make me want to go spend, you know, I think they're around like 60, $70 bag or something like that, a little pricey. So yeah, I I just thought might as well just not do it this time. Gotcha. And then when you're not supplementing, since you're not supplementing CO2, air exchange is going to be super important, right? Because if you're not exchanging the air, the plants are just eating up that CO2 in the grow tent or or grow room, whatever you're in. Yeah. What do you typically do for air exchange? Normally I got the window just wide open, fans blowing all in the outdoor air. But this year I'm a little worried about that because I did end up with mites last year so i was super angry about that uh but this year i think i might have to set up a portable ac unit just so it's sucking in the air i don't have the window wide open for bugs to come in so i think that's probably my best bet uh but i do also grow with my my tent doors just wide open um i don't really tend to close them all the time um yeah, I, I just feel like the air movement is just much better when you have it wide open like that. Fans blowing everything around, got the uh, in, intake fans uh, sucking it out. But I don't take my intake fans and put it out the door because I'm in an apartment building. Building, I don't want people seeing a bunch of tubes going to the window and stuff and them wondering what that's all about. So, yeah, I, I keep it pretty low-key. Um, I would like to have a more proper setup for moving air out but is what it is for right now gotcha are you running into any temperature issues the way you're doing that or what's the temperature you usually aim for uh well going with leds i normally would want it around like 80 80 fahrenheit to about 85 is tops i would like to have it at uh and that's the canopy temperature yeah the canopy region. yeah pretty much uh try to keep it at that um it does get a little hard to do sometimes in the, you know, dead of dead of summer or whatever. So like it's gets a little intense because uh, I am in an apartment building, so it does get a little hot in here. So that makes me think I should probably get a AC unit just for uh, 
that one month so it doesn't affect the crop or anything but uh normally during winter time i don't really have any issues with keeping the temperatures down um during the winter it kind of helps heat my place so that's that's the nice thing um but yeah try to keep in those temperatures once you start going over 86 or up to 90s the autoflowers definitely take a little bit of a hit and uh they will not grow as fast i would say yeah i used to go up to 85 87 actually is kind of what i maxed out at yeah. and some cultivars were able to take it other cultivars you'd see that stress come on yeah so i've brought it down a notch usually now i'm actually aiming for um, typically leaf surface temperature to be like 80 to 82 degrees and depending on the cultivar um, nice. most of them will be able to take that and uh and that means that the canopy temperature usually is a little bit higher than the leaf surface temperature yeah. right it's usually you know two three four degrees potentially depending on um, the light you're using and how much it's radiating down on there you know the amount of ir comes into it we talk about we get into a whole discussion about hps versus led just as the amount of heat oh, yeah. that comes down but we, we won't get into that but um yeah okay that makes sense for for temperature now what about humidity uh, what do you typically aim for for humidity through the different stages of growth? Uh, really, I just try to keep it as low as possible. I just, I don't mess with the, I, I know it's better like the, uh, what is it called? The the chart? The mat VPD. VPD. Like I, I have tried to go by that, but I really don't want high humidity at all. N like none. Lower the humidity for me is the better because I have had issues with mold in the past. And this, this is during winter time. Winter time is super important for me to like have as little as humidity as possible. I have dehumidifiers trying to keep it as low as possible. Cause you, when you're running four tenths, it can get kind of high in one room. Um, but yeah, I've had issues with mold in the past where here in Canada, it gets so cold that the humidity will start uh, creating ice on the windows and then start dripping down and stuff and dripping down your window and if you get too much of that stuff it can be really bad ruin all the wooden stuff under the windows so i really don't like humidity at all anymore and uh try to stay away from it um do i see much of a difference with growing not really um compared to when i've had it i like really perfect humidity i haven't noticed that much of a difference so i just try to keep it simple if it's low hum humidity and it's doing good why not just keep it at that and not have to worry about molds when you say low humidity what percentage around is that for you uh here it's normally around 40 45 something like that Okay, so not critically no, low. Not, not I mean, there's some places low. where it's like 20%. I just really don't want it to go up to like 50, 55, 60. That's when I start getting worried, and I can start seeing condensation on the windows. Summertime, I don't have to worry about that, but I'd rather just have a setup I don't have to like mess with every winter and summer. That makes sense. And VPD, you know, as it it is optimal, as we all yeah. know. You know, science has proven that, that VPD is – if somebody who doesn't know about VPD, you can – search that uh, and find out a lot more details on that. It's a good um, article from Pulse. 
Pulse Monitor, they have a good article about VPD, what it actually is, what the different ranges you should aim for during the different stages of growth. There's charts that you can go by. Uh, I've been going after V. I've been chasing after VPD for the past several grows, and um, you know there there definitely seems to be a little bit different in growth. I would say from my experience, yeah. as far as mostly about like quality bud structure, I feel like. As I'm running low humidity, like I struggle here. I live in the desert. Oh, yeah. Very dry here. We're looking at 20% natural humidity, 20, 30% natural humidity. So if I don't have humidifiers pumping things up there, um, you know, pumping that humidity up and getting it high, I do see impact with growth um, in bud structure. Um, That's just kind of my experience. But 40 isn't, isn't, critically low and it no, shouldn't it's not too from my bad. experience there isn't a big difference between um you know 30 i'm sorry there is not a big difference between 40 and like 50 percent for example and when you talk about optimal vpd specifically in the flowering stage you know if you're running the what 78 to 82 degree range you know the high 50s i think i believe is the green range for it yeah so, just on the cusp um, i think but it works. Yeah. It gets me by. Um, yeah, like it, it's it does get really uh, like like dry like that here too. Like sometimes the outdoor humidity is probably like the same as yours, especially during winter time. But indoors, when I got you know sixteen pots, five gallon pots full of water and stuff, right? It does help make the humidity in there and uh, keeps it pretty stable. I'd say so. Yeah. All right, so let's switch it up. Let's talk about plant training techniques. So um, arguably one of those things that are going to impact yield a, a ton. Uh, I mean, there are some websites out there that say low-stress training alone is going to increase yield by 40%. Oh, yeah, I, I would um, Particularly say. with autoflowers, you know, uh, a lot of people do plant training techniques yeah. because they want to maximize yield, right? Um, so what plant training techniques do you typically do for autoflowers? Uh, right off the bat, I start doing leaf tucking. So just tucking the leaves in, any of the big fan leaves that you can see that kind of can tuck in between the lower uh, branches coming out. So you can give those lower branches a light. It really helps. Um, yeah, I would say the more low-stress training, the better. Uh, some people get really into it, really just tie them down every place they can. And the more you can do it, the better your results are going to be the more light that can penetrate through to the lower branches. And uh, it's, it's, it's definitely going to help. Um, I've done it where I just don't do any training at all compared to when I do lots of training. Lots of training always produces better results. I completely agree with you. I've grown. Um, now, I know when you're growing from seed, there's different phenos, different growth, blah, blah, yep. blah. But, uh, you know, growing the same cultivar, I had 10 different plants, actually, same, 10 different phenos, same strain or cultivar. And uh, some I did low-stress training on, some I just grew naturally. Yeah. And the ones I grew naturally, I believe it was, uh, let's see, yield range from like three and a half ounces up to, I think, five ounces. And then the low-stress training ones always produce more than that, up to eight ounces oh, wow. yeah. from low-stress training off, off of an auto. Um, and that was, I think the highest yield I ever got off of an auto was eight ounces. And that was with low stress training. Oh, nice. Um, now what about topping? That's one of the debatable topics yeah. on this is people say <laughs> no high stress training techniques at all should be done for autos or else you're going to negatively impact yield. Topping, you know, is one of those things that are high stress training techniques. Do you 
top auto power plants? Did you avoid that or what? Uh, normally, I just avoid that. I'm not big into topping at all, uh, even for photo periods. I more prefer super cropping, but for auto flowers, I just just don't do it. I actually have been thinking about just trying just for a little experiment, make a video, put it on my channel and just show people what's the difference, use the same genetics. Um, but normally it would take what, five, six, maybe seven days to recover from that, which your auto flower could be using to produce, get like more branches, getting bigger instead of just trying to heal. Um, so normally I would tell a beginner or someone just getting into auto flowers, don't top, just stick with low stress training. And, uh, but if you're getting more advanced and you want to just try it out, uh, like we were talking about before, different genetics can handle it better, it seems like. Um, I've seen some amazing grows. People topped it and had awesome results. Uh, I've also seen people top it and get bad results. So it kind of really depends. Depends on how you're growing them too. Depends how big these plants are getting. Like, are you growing a small little plant that's not going to get more bigger than a foot and a half? Or are you growing a plant that's normally can get up to four feet because there's the super autos that get really big and then smaller autos that stay really small. So uh, I, it kind of depends, but me personally, I just don't do it. I low stress train enough that it pre creates a, like a decent bush and a nice canopy. Right. But like you said, like when you grow, just let it do its thing and stuff the plant will normally grow up like a Christmas tree. You'll get some really nice buds on top. The first, you know, one third of it and the rest, they're kind of, you know, not that greatest of quality of buds. So when you have a nice canopy and you've got way more top buds, all getting the good light, uh, it comes out better. I'd say. Yeah. I I've topped autos, handful of autos in the past. And obviously I've grown plants where I haven't topped them. And just every time it's been, more yield off of the non-topped plants. Um, that's just my that's experience. Like. And there's going to be people in the comments, again, it, that, that say they top autos every time and it doesn't impact growth. Mm. You know, maybe I just need to experiment more. But um, I, I'm pretty sure I've, like, accidentally topped some, too. The results came out good, but that the question is, would have would have it been better if you just not topped it at all and just low-stress chained until you got a nice big canopy that's uh you know all nice and even i would say a better big canopy is going to give you better results i'd say yep highly debatable product on topping auto flowers versus not topping auto flowers i'd love to know in the comments below for those that are growing autos do you top them let me know your experience doing that cool and you talked a little bit about pulling the branches out do you do anything for like plant support you know scrog technique Anything like that in order when you're growing your autos or no? Not really. Like uh, my autos compared to my photo periods, because I, I grow my photo periods a bit bigger. Uh, my auto flowers seem to be very sturdy. I never really need to like tie them up or anything or have uh, stakes, tie them to stakes or whatever, or do the uh, scrog nets. Uh, yeah. Auto flowers, the ones I grow, uh, seem to do really good with without so yeah okay so that being said we kind of went over a lot we went over nutrition went over lighting went over environment uh, all for autos and kind of talk about things that 
that you do in order to maximize yield, right? So everything yeah. being said and every all your experience growing autoflowers, what advice do you have for people who are new to growing autoflowers and what advice do you have for people who are trying to maximize yield with autoflowers? One of the most important things is start with good genetics, of course. Uh, stick with some reputable brands. Um, the thing with autoflowers is you can get some not so reputable reputable brands and they may not actually be full autoflowers. I've had that lots in the past where you're growing it and it's not actually autoflowering and then you have to switch it to 12 and 12 light just to get the flower. You kind of know that those genetics aren't really, you know, stable. Uh, so I always recommend Mephisto, uh, always had great resu results with them. And, uh, like we were talking about in the past or in the start there, uh, start, I recommend people start in the, the pots that they're going to finish in. So three gallons or five gallons. Uh, I recommend that they use a good medium. Uh, a lot of people just use, I don't know, some, some people just go to the, the hardware store and get some just random dirt. I don't recommend it. I recommend getting something good quality, at least some pro mix, some good quality cocoa, or, you know, there's some other stuff out there. Uh, but definitely stick with some quality medium. Uh, and when you're feeding nutrients, it's don't go by what they're actually telling you to go on the bottle, the, the bottle, uh, the instructions. It's normally at least half or even one third of what they're telling you to use. And cause autoflowers are very sensitive to nutrients. They can get overfed very easily. It seems like, well, actually depends on the genetics too. Um, but yeah, that, uh, keep your par good. Make sure you're not giving them too much par or too little par. And, uh, yeah, just try to not stress them as much as possible. If they're not stressed, they can just take off and do the thing and, uh, you'll get some awesome results. If you stress them too much, you mess with them too much. So you can kind of, kind of stunt the stunt your results. Really good advice there. Yeah. You touched on a lot of pieces that are really important when it comes to autos for sure. Yeah. So how can the listeners find you and what do you have upcoming in the future? Uh, you can find me over at the Dr. Autoflower channel there on YouTube or Dr. Autoflower on Instagram. Those are the best places to see me. Uh, things I got coming up. I have a new season started right now. Um, we are, I'm just starting some new autoflowers right away, getting them planted here today. Uh, and yeah, I got some photo periods going too. I do grow a lot of photo periods and mix it up with the autoflowers. Uh, I like to do pheno hunts, so can't really do that with autoflowers as, you know, as well. So that's why I kind of stick with, uh, photo periods if I'm doing pheno hunts. Uh, but yeah, you can find me over there and got a new season, new content coming out. So yeah. Cool. I will link Dr. Autoflowers channel down in the description section below for those of you watching on YouTube, cool. or I mean, if you're tuning in on one of the podcast platforms, just search on YouTube, Dr. Autoflower and his channel will pop up. So lots of good stuff sure. there. Well, Dr. Autoflower, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. Uh, it yeah, was thanks awesome. For having me on. And I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your day. You too, man. Peace. Have a good one. Cheers.